Hey, good morning, everybody. And I want to welcome you here to our baptism service and all of you online. I'm so glad you're joining us here for just such a day of great news. Because that's really, really what this is. It's a day of great news. I mean, for you guys, this is a milestone. This is one of those milestone moments that are in your lives. You're going to remember the rest of your life. Actually, I'm going to remember it too because I remember all baptism, you know, that we do. And it's really an amazing thing that you guys made this decision. And all of you who are here to witness this are blessed by the fact that you're just here witnessing when a couple people, uh, we, we have eight or nine people or so that are going to get baptized and say, I'm in this. And it's a day of great news because of, of, of a couple things. And I don't know if you remember, uh, a couple months ago, I don't know, eight or, eight or nine months ago, I told you a story of what I named the Dillshad Principle. Anybody remember that? One person. That's great. <laughs> and, and basically what, what the Dillshad Principle was, was, this is what happened. I like to take my wife on long jet ski rides, and so I decided I wanted to go up to Trenton. And so we dropped our jet ski off in Philadelphia, and we said, let's just ride up to Trenton, see what Trenton's about, you know, in the water, you know. And so we were riding up there, everything was fine, and when we were there, um, if you remember me telling this story, she taps me on the shoulder and says, I think we're sinking. And I turn around, and she's got her feet in the, or halfway in the water, and it's th it literally my jet ski was sinking. And so we, I really quick hobbled it to a dock real quickly, and we hopped off. Didn't know exactly what was going on, but the whole hall was filled up with water. And so the only thing we could do is get an Uber all the way from Trenton to Philadelphia, pick up my truck and trailer, go all the way back to Trenton, pick up the ski, put it on the trailer, come all the way back home. That's the... That's the Dillshad principle. Let me tell you why. Because the man who picked us up on Uber, <clears throat> he was from the Middle East, and his name was actually Dillshad. And here's the funny thing. We were in a conversation with him, talking to him about his family. How's your family? Tell, tell us about how you got into the United States and, 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 and working in, as an Uber driver. And it was a fantastic story. And we got the conversation, Kim and I got the conversation a little bit pointed toward God and Jesus and who Jesus is to us and, and how we got to know God. And it was just an amazing thing. And then he had said a few things and said, wow, this is really great that we're talking about this because over the last couple months, I've been thinking about Jesus. And I have been wondering about Jesus. And I have these questions. And I want to kind of, you know, uh, you know run these questions by, you know. And so we had a 45-minute talk about Jesus from Trenton to Philadelphia. And when we got out of the car, Kim and I got out of the car and we, we were on our way to the truck, we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, okay, all right. <clears throat> we weren't even planning to take that ride today. And we ended up all the way in Trenton. The jet ski almost hit the bottom of the Delaware River, okay, just so we call an Uber driver at that very time who had some questions about Jesus that we were able to answer. I'll take that. I'll take that any day. At, at, at a certain level, I was like, man, this is a bad day. And then as soon as that happened, I, saw, I thought to myself, God, you are amazing. Because the great news is, and the good news is, that there is a way to have a relationship with God. And it was a privilege for us to be able to talk about that and to talk about Jesus and to talk about his death and resurrection and what that meant to us and what it could mean to him. Amazing. 
But you know how God teaches, there's, there's further the story, I still pray for him. Um, we haven't, you know, I gave him my information and gave, he wanted a card on my wife and I's podcast, Everything Jesus, that, that kind of goes through the life of Jesus and he took that, he was gonna listen to it, haven't heard from him, still praying for him. But here's another thing that God taught me through that whole incident. I got the ski home, we drained all the water out of it obviously and looked at it and saw, what, and just trying to figure out what's the problem. There was a hole in the side of the block where all the water would cool the motor and the water comes from the river and there was a hole in the side of the block so all the river water was filling up the hull of the jet ski and we had no idea because it was corroded, it was a corrosion spot. And, and, and so, you know, the aluminum corrodes and it, because of salt and time and maybe the, the person who had it before me didn't take care of it real well or whatever, I don't know. But it corroded and it was causing demise and we didn't even know it. And I thought to myself, man, that's just like people. There is a corrosion going on inside of people, every human being, that is causing the demise of every human being it is causing people to push God away and push God out of their lives. It is causing people to, 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 to pretend in some way that self is the center of the universe. And it gets us involved in this corruption and corrosion and, and, and this demise that we go through that eventually ends up into a life that, that we call even a slave to sin because sin is the corrosion. And so I thought to myself, okay, let me make some phone calls. And I called a couple places and a couple garages and, and, and boat repair. And I said, listen, I got a hole in the side of my block. Can you repair it? And they said, well, tell you what, we could and we could weld a spot on there and there's other ways to try and fix it. But what ends up happening is it doesn't last real long. Or what ends up happening is when you plug one hole and something's corroded on one side of the motor, probably there's another corrosion spot that's going to blow through on another side of the motor that's going to happen. So you will drive this thing, ride this thing around. Very insecure uh, if you fix it that way. And everybody said the same thing. You need a new motor. But here's the thing. We try and fix the corrosion spots. We try and fix the holes in our lives. We try and fix the guilt that we feel because of the wrongdoing that we've done or that we can't help doing and all the things that we do that are kind of like, man, we're wrecking our lives and we don't know how to stop, right? And we try and do everything we can to get rid of it and, and it just doesn't work because another hole gets blown out somewhere else and it really doesn't solve the problem. And we try and fill ourselves with whatever we can fill ourselves with but there's a hole in the block and it keeps running the block empty and we can fill it with whatever you want and we try and distract ourselves from that feeling of emptiness and we try and push that feeling of emptiness away. We try and medicate that feeling of emptiness in many ways, but nothing seems to work. You need a new motor. And so I ordered a new motor um, and took a couple weeks and took the old one out, put the new one in and now, now it runs great. Here's the thing. It's the same hull, it's the same shell with a brand new inside. It's the same shell, but the insides are brand new. Listen, that is what happens when we give our lives over to Jesus and we say, I've got corrosion. 
I've got corruption in my life, and I don't really know what to do with it. I've got emptiness in my life, and I don't really know exactly what to do with it. But I'm going to give my life over to Jesus because he said he has taken care of that problem, and I accept him into my life, and I appropriate that through faith. And all of a sudden, he does that brand new work to make your whole insides brand new. It's the same shell, it's the same hull, it's a new inside. Okay, here's, here was Paul, here was Paul, okay. Paul had a lot of journeys all throughout parts of Asia, Europe, and he was in Jerusalem one time and he was getting in trouble because he was talking about Jesus. And G, you know, nobody could figure out that, that it, well, some people did, but not many people could figure out that Jesus was actually the fulfillment of what was going on in the Jewish religion. And they were all thinking that this was anti-Jewish religion and so there was a lot of debate and, and all that and Paul was being summoned to court so he could testify or talk about what was going on. And he only had one question. Paul only had one question. Excuse me, everybody. Can I please tell you my story? And the magistrate was like, sure, tell us your story. And so Paul got to tell a testimony of what God did. And here's what God did. Paul, named Saul, was persecuting Christians. He was killing Christians and throwing Christians in jail. Okay, this was what he thought about Christians and people who were following Jesus. Then one day, Jesus himself came in a vision and said to Saul, Saul, what are you doing? You, you, you're, you're killing the people that, that, that I love and you're killing the people that believe in somebody that is trying to do the most. What have I done to you? What are you doing, Paul? So he's struck with blindness. And he's saying, you're going to go to Damascus. You're going to travel to Damascus and there's a man named Ananias who is going to tell you what to do next. But you're not going to know what to do next and you're not going to be able to do anything next because you're blind now, Right? goes to Damascus, Ananias, goes to Paul and says, Paul, let me tell you something. This has all happened because you are to be the messenger of the good news of Jesus to the Jewish people first, but then to all the Gentiles all over the world. You're going to Europe, man. And you're going to tell everybody that's never even heard about this. That's what you're going to do, Paul. And as soon as he said that, um, he said one other thing that I'm going to read. In chapter 22 of Acts, verse 16, it says, What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. So Ananias is telling Paul, this is what you're going to do. You're going to tell everybody about Jesus. And, he, and after he tells them all that, he's like, all right, now, 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 what are you waiting for? Get baptized. Let's get started on this. And they started immediately. That was his story. Because baptism, man, it's not the act of going in the water that washes away your sins. It's the act of accepting Jesus and what he has done in your life. And you give your life over to Jesus and say, I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe Jesus rose from the, from the dead. He is still alive. He has conquered all death, darkness, and sin. That's what Jesus did, okay? That, and when we believe that, we have our sins washed away. And then Jesus says, why don't we do something symbolic to represent that? 
And all of you, what is really, really awesome, have made that decision to follow Christ, have made that decision to have your sins forgiven through Jesus, believe in his resurrection, do all the things that, that, that are our hearts, and we give our lives over to Jesus. And so now you've come to that place where you're like, I, I want to I show everybody, I want to tell everybody. I want everybody in here, I want everybody online to see that I am serious about this and this is my faith and I'm gonna take the next step in my faith. That's why I say it's a milestone. Really cool. But to explain a little bit about what baptism is, I just wanna go through three symbols that kind of talk about baptism so you have a clear idea of exactly what it is. Number one, oneness. And the symbol is the number one. And the reason I say oneness in the symbols number one because, man, that's a very powerful thing. When things are all headed in the same direction, that, is, that can be a very powerful, we call it synergy, it's very powerful. And so when I go to Ephesians chapter four, verses five and six, it says, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. It's a oneness. It's an alignment with Jesus, and it is an allegiance to Jesus. It's alignment and it's allegiance. You guys have heard me talk about that before. Alignment and allegiance. When we walk with Jesus, that's what it is. We're aligning ourselves with him, and then we're committing our allegiance to him as, as our Lord and King. And so when we're all headed in the right direction, and man, we're saying, this is going to be about God's way. This is not going to be about mine. This is going to be all about Jesus. Man, that's a powerful life. Oneness. Number two. It's the symbol of water. It's a symbol of water. Listen, man, we know that water covers most of the planet. Okay, there's more water on the surface of the planet than, than, than there is land, right? We know that water hydrates, and we need water when we are thirsty. We know that when we have to be clean and we have to wash ourselves, typically it's done with water. It's life-giving. It's cleansing. It can even heal wounds. You clean the wounds, and then you get that all cleaned up, and it brings here. Listen, what was an amazing thing? It's, it's just an amazing thing. So there's no question, and there's no surprise that Jesus is saying, hey, man, this symbol of water, this hydration, this nourishment, this nutrition, this, this whole idea of cleansing is going to be the symbol for what you guys have done and what you guys are going to you know, represent. And it says in Titus, chapter 3, it says he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's that whole symbol of pouring upon us. And this whole idea of water, like I said before, man, it is not that which saves you. It's not that which washes away your sins. It is the belief that you, you grabbed hold of by faith. And this is just a symbol. But it's a good one because the symbol symbolizes washing, but it also says that baptism symbolizes something else. It's symbolizing and associating yourselves with the death of Jesus by going underneath and then the resurrection of Jesus by coming back up out of the water. Yeah. And that's what it represents. And that's what you guys are showing. And that's what baptism does. And there's one more. There's one more symbol I want you to think about. And it's the symbol of wardrobe. Wardrobe. 
Wardrobe. Okay, let, let me explain why. Something changes when you dress a certain way. You change something and you communicate something. How you dress, some, some of y'all dress to, to communicate something. Some of y'all dress to, you know, but, but when you dress a certain way as opposed to another way and you make that choice, you change something and you're also communicating something. Let me explain. Let's say you're in Walmart and somebody walks in with a tuxedo on, okay? Would you think that was strange? Yes, unless it's October 31st or something like that. I mean, I 100% stare at them. I 100% would, okay? And so I think this was really, really weird, really strange. I'm not sure what's going on. And our first thoughts would be, he's lost, okay? Uh, he doesn't know where to go. He forgot his gift, and that wedding's happened in one hour. All right, that's probably what our thoughts go to. But you have to think about, why is he dressed like that? doesn't make sense. You think about someone who's a delivery person, coming to your door you think about a police officer a soldier or an athlete there's a job that they have to do based on what they're wearing and they are representing something bigger than themselves see when you put on a uniform you're representing not just you but you're representing all of that team or organization that you're part of and so that is really significant and it's significant because we find in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, it says this, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Isn't that interesting? That, that baptism, it's like you're putting on new clothes. It's like you're putting on Jesus. And when we put on new clothes, we got work to do. When we put on new clothes or a uniform, there's somebody we represent. And when we have work to do and we represent, that's significant. That, that's a big deal. Listen, even when you go home, and, and, and let's say it's a Saturday, and you guys are thinking to yourselves, I got some work to do, man. You'll even put on work clothes. And it represents that, man, I've got something to do, and I'm dressing for the occasion. And so baptism is actually dressing for the occasion. It is saying, I'm putting Jesus on. I've got work to do for him. I've got to represent him. And for every believer, we put on Jesus. That's what he asks us to do. And so we become this very powerful life that is able to point people to the true and living God. And so when we're here today and we're celebrating people that are, that are going to get baptized, it's, it's a pretty amazing thing because they have said, yeah, I'm in this, man. I'm aligned. My allegiance is toward Jesus. This is about one. It's about 
having sins washed away because I've already accepted Jesus. I just want to show everybody. It's about, uh, you know, associating with Jesus' death and resurrection. And it is about putting on the wardrobe of Jesus and saying, listen, I've got work to do for him because he's got a purpose for me. And, and he's got something for me to do, something that I represent because I'm wearing his uniform. Something that I have to do because I'm wearing his uniform. And it also reminds me whose I am. That's a powerful thing. And that's why we do baptism. And so today, you know, we've got some people that, that have chosen to make this day the celebration of that. And make this day the day that you guys are showing this whole congregation both here, online, that, man, you're in this. And so, everybody, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to read the names of the people that are going to be getting baptized, but they all wrote something, some a few sentences, some a few paragraphs, but it all comes from the heart saying, hey, guess what? This is what Jesus did for me, and I want to tell everybody about this. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you have brought us all here together to witness this, this moment, this powerful moment, this memorable milestone moment for everybody here. And Lord, I pray it is never forgotten. I pray this carries with them. I pray for them that this becomes that garment that they put over them that is of Jesus. The work that they can do, the representation that they will be. We thank you for that. We thank you for this moment. Thank you for bringing them to this place. In the name of Jesus, amen.